0: Good morning, everyone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is your living word. And Father, would you speak to us today as we think about one of your prophets, as we think about John the Baptist, how he prepared the way for your coming. So Lord Jesus, would you prepare the way in our hearts and in our minds to receive you this morning in a fresh way? Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Fill us anew. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you take your seats? So rather confusingly in the church year this year, we're thinking about John the Baptist today in the context of the prophets, and then next week we'll be thinking about John the Baptist as John the Baptist. Um, so just to clear up any confusion, probably not actually but it's good today to be thinking particularly about John and about the way he was a a forerunner, a herald for Jesus. I've only ever won one competition in my life. Uh, That's very sad, I know, probably because I've not really entered many. But um, this one competition was um, in a magazine called Shoot, which was about, yeah, some of you remember that. Um, It was a soccer magazine. And I entered this competition uh, to win a pair of trainers And I think you had to write a little caption, you know, saying how amazing these pair of trainers was. And actually, I think the main prize was something a lot bigger than that. I think I got like the runners-up prize or something. So I wrote a snappy little caption, which I can't obviously remember, um, and won these pair of trainers. But the reason I mention that is that what we have here with John the Baptist is John the Baptist preaching a very succinct, um, snappy sermon. Repent, because the Lord is near. And the Jewish nation had been living in expectation of the coming Messiah, the coming king. They longed for God's reign and rule to come uh, to their nation. They were under Roman oppression, and they were longing for a king to come. And of course, they had some false expectations about what that king would do. But they were waiting and expecting the king to come. And that's the context in which Don the Baptist enters the scene, rather suddenly actually, and previously in Matthew we've been thinking about the infant Jesus and his family fleeing to Egypt and then returning to live in Nazareth. And then we suddenly the scene shifts to John the Baptist pre- preaching in the wilderness. And people are coming and flocking into the wilderness because they have this expectation, as I say, that the Messiah is gonna come. And John seems to be saying, He's coming. Prepare a way, prepare a way in the desert. It reminds me a bit of like, um, you know, the Hindhead Tunnel. You know, it took years for that to be built, didn't it? What was the spur that made it be, for it to be built? It was the Olympics. And some, sometimes when we know something is about to happen, something important is about to happen, it spurs us to action, doesn't it? And so that's what's happening here, is that John is saying, prepare the way, because the king is coming. Um, you know, he's been away a long time, so you need to get your house in order now. You need to get yourselves sorted out. So he preaches this stark message, repent, repent, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him, get ready, Um, don't rest on your laurels, that's basically what he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And it's a bit like a telegram, I guess, no one ever sends those anymore, do they? um, Or maybe a text message where we just make every word count, particularly if we're fumbling with our thumbs to send the message. And you know, John the Baptist was a bit weird, wasn't he? He was a bit weird. There he was in the desert, eating locusts and honey, dressed in quite a sort of bizarre way. But actually, this was a man who had no time for pleasantries or small talk. He had a message from the Lord. He was a forerunner, he was a herald, and he proclaimed that message with clarity, and he proclaimed it simply. Because he wasn't prepared to tolerate the hypocritical behavior that he saw around him. You know, these people who claimed to be children of Abraham, but yet their behavior, the fruit that they produced, was not in keeping with the things that he said. And he had particularly condemning words, didn't he, for the poor old Pharisees and Sadducees. We have to remember when we hear both John the Baptist and Jesus uh, subsequently um, condemning the Pharisees and the um, Sadducees, he's not talking about literally every single one. Because, of course, like in any organization, there are are some who are are really seeking the the right way. But certainly the ones that were coming because this was the latest thing to be done, getting baptized by John in the Jordan, oh, we better get in in on the act. But actually, John could see that their motives were not actually pure. So I want us to think about three things about John's message. First of all, his call to repentance. How does that apply to us today? Also this call to bear fruit. And then also I think what emerges out of this passage is the call on each of us to point the way to Jesus, to be heralds who herald the coming of the King, particularly at this time of Advent. So first of all, repentance. Repentance. Basically John is telling the people to wake up, to wake up, to become aware of of the ways in which they had become separate from the God that they claimed to worship. Ways in which they had wandered away from the the true path. In fact, they would stepped off the highway. Another way of thinking about the highway is a highway of holiness. And so John's call was a call back to holiness, a call back to right living. And you will know that the word repentance literally means to turn around, you know, to face in this direction, to turn around 180 degrees and start going in, The opposite direction. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind. It's a turning around. But of course, much more than that, and we'll think about this in a moment, it's a change of behavior. You know, sometimes when we come to confession on a Sunday morning, we we can genuinely feel sorry for the things that we've done. But then maybe we find ourselves the next week repenting of the same things. True repentance actually results in changed behavior. And that's why I'm so... Such a fan of the Dyson uh, vision uh, strap line, which is transforming church, transforming lives, because that is what God is in the business of. He is in the business of transformation. And if we don't think we've got to change in any way, then we've really stopped being a disciple, because a disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone who um, seeks to be changed and renewed uh, by Christ and by his Holy Spirit. So baptism was the sign and the symbol that was used to represent this turning around, this cleansing from sin. And baptism was a ritual cleansing, was a a well-known thing within, um, within the Jewish faith, but it wasn't necessarily that common. And it was amazing how many people flooded into the desert to receive this baptism. But there's a much deeper thing going on here with baptism because this baptism is also a sign of the new thing that God was doing in history, the new thing God was doing in Israel, the new thing God was going to do in the world. It wasn't just about individuals being cleansed, but it was about the fact that the King was coming, the Messiah was coming, who was going to bring cleansing and restoration to the whole world, actually. And it was also would have reminded these people of their ancestors over a thousand years earlier, crossing the River Jordan into the Promised Land, being freed from slavery. And here they are now, coming to the Jordan to be baptized by John, to, as it were, enter a new Promised Land, the Kingdom of Heaven, which Jesus was going to establish, the Kingdom of Heaven in which there was freedom and release and cleansing. So it's very powerful what's going on here. And I, I'm really, really looking forward to being in the Holy Land in January. Uh, Debs and I have the enormous privilege of, of going to the Holy Land in January uh, on a trip with her college, St. Malitus, And uh, I'm so looking forward to that, and particularly to being near the River Jordan and seeing uh, the place for myself. So what about us? Do we allow God to continually cleanse us? Do we allow God to wash away the impurities that we know are in our thinking and in our minds. And that's one of the things that we are called to do. We are called to come to our senses. That's another way we could maybe think about repentance. It's coming to our senses. And what that means, I think, is using our senses, using uh, the things that we see, that we hear, that we feel, we touch, etc., to help us to see what God is doing, what God is doing in our lives, what God is doing in our culture and sometimes the ways in which God is not um, being allowed to act in our culture. Coming to our senses about seeing things as God sees them. Seeing the world as God sees it and seeing ourselves as God sees us. So repentance has those two aspects. It has that aspect of self-awareness of allowing God to reveal within us those things that keep us away from him but also revealing to us the things within this culture that keep us away from Him. Allowing Him to do that. Some of you might be aware of the um, ancient practice of examine, the examine, which is a, a wonderful practice which I'd really encourage to you. I haven't managed to make it a complete habit yet, but it's certainly something I try and do regularly, which is just at the end of the day to say, to, to go through your day, to review your day maybe working backwards because it's easy to remember the things that have just happened. To review your day and just ask two questions. One where have I been aware of God's presence during the day and then secondly where am I aware that I have not been aware of his presence where he's not, where I've not been aware of him in my life there's all sorts of different ways you can ask that question. But Where God is present and where he has not been present and I'd really really encourage that to you as a way of helping us to grow in self-awareness help us to grow in that sense of what God is doing within our lives, the movements of his spirit within our lives. So I'd really encourage that to you. And then, you know, John's message is pretty hard-hitting. He uses two images. We've talked about water, but he also talks about fire, and he talks about the winnowing fork. So first of all, fire, in verse 10, we're told that those who do not produce fruit, fruit will be thrown into the fire. Verse 10, the axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Then in verse 11, we're told that Jesus will baptize not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And of course, that's a, a foreshadowing of the day of Pentecost when Jesus uh, sent the Holy Spirit as the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit he had promised. And of course, a foreshadowing of the judgment that is to come when Jesus comes once more. So judgment and refining are what these symbols are about. And then the winnowing fork. Uh, This is a fork-like shovel that tosses grain into the wind so that the light chaff would blow away. And again, isn't that a powerful image of how we need to allow the chaff in our lives to be blown away by the wind of the Spirit? I often pray that prayer. Um, that God would separate the wheat from the chaff in my thinking and in the decisions that I have to make and, of course, that we have to make as a church. It's so important that we allow God to refine us, to cleanse us, to let God burn away the chaff that is in all of our lives. Now, just to say, you know, it's very easy to feel condemned when we think about repentance and think about what's wrong in our lives. But actually, we need to put this in the context of God's grace. That God is a God of grace who loves us, who is patient with us, who doesn't reveal all of our sin all at once because we won't be able to cope with it. Well, I certainly wouldn't. I don't know about you. But we, if we are open to the spirit of God, if we ask him to reveal to us that sin which keeps us from him, then he will be gracious with us. He will be, reveal as much as we can cope with and then he will we can bring that to him and allow him to cleanse us and revive us. So just very briefly then, bearing fruit. Of course, we're called to produce fruit uh, as a result of our repentance. You know, repentance isn't true repentance if it doesn't result in a changed life. And so we need to allow him to grow The fruit of the Spirit within us. Remember in Galatians 5, we read about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a really good thing to ask ourselves every now and again. Are we growing in those things? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you're like me, there might be one or two of those things that you think, oh my goodness, I'm not so good at that well, welcome to the human family. That's what we are like. But we can allow God to help us, to change us, to help us to grow by his spirit. And then I think one of the most important indicators of the fruit that God is bearing in our lives is, is our desire to tell others. When Jesus is really working in our lives, we want to tell others about it because it's exciting to have that sense of walking with Jesus, of being changed and transformed by him. So are we like John? Do we point the way to Jesus? Now, of course, we can never do that perfectly. John the Baptist wasn't perfect either. But are we, in in some way in our lives, revealing Jesus to others in the way that we live, in our acts of kindness, in our going the extra mile? those sometimes small acts but really important things that we do just to show our love for others maybe someone this Christmas it's a particularly good time isn't it because we don't really need an excuse to be kind to people at this time of year so maybe that neighbour maybe that person you see at the bus stop maybe that person you see at the supermarket who you normally sort of shuffle by you could just stop and, and speak to them sometimes you know It's really frightening when I visit some folk who I might be the only person they've spoken to that week. There are people who are lonely in our community. Think about who those people might be. and Maybe just give them a phone call, drop them a card. It makes a huge, huge difference. So we need to point the way to Jesus. We need to prepare the way within people's lives to receive Jesus, and particularly at this time of year. And then the other stark warning in this passage is the one he gave to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were relying on their ancestors. We're children of Abraham. Abraham's our father, so we're we're all right. We're sorted. And many of us can rely on living off the spirituality of others or living off our past encounters with the Lord and actually not having a fresh vision and a fresh relationship with the Lord right now. So I'd really encourage you to think about that. Think about how you can use this time to come back to the Lord. Maybe use that practice of the examine. Maybe just begin to pray and read your Bible more regularly. There's all sorts of ways we can help you with that. Do speak to me if you want to know more. Um, But let's use this time to return to the Lord. Not see repentance as a really heavy, horrible thing, but actually as a life-giving thing as we are given freedom from slavery. To cross the Jordan into the promised land, to live a life f- to the full, to live the life that God has called us to live, that is one of freedom, one of doing his will. doesn't mean it will be easy, I'm not saying that, but it's one in which we can know that we are walking in step with the Spirit, that's such a wonderful thing to do. So of course we're thinking this Advent about being prepared, about waiting for the coming of the Lord. So let's, as a people, be expectant of Jesus' return, but also be preparing our hearts and our minds to receive him right now. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that we often find it difficult to follow you. We're aware of our own weaknesses. We're aware of when we don't live in the way you would want us to but Lord I thank you for your wonderful gift of forgiveness so Lord as we come to you in repentance would you help us to become more like you to bear the fruit of the spirit Lord just even now as we've thought of people who we can encourage and who we can show kindness to this, this time of year just uh, remind us of those things again so that we might be prompted to call or write or visit that we might be proclaiming your kingdom to those that we meet day by day. So, Lord, thank you that you are coming again one day. but Thank you that you have already come, that you have already established your kingdom. And, Lord, help us to be participants and partners with you in sharing the wonderful good news that we have of Jesus as our Savior, as God with us, Emmanuel. So fill us afresh with your spirit, we pray. Cleanse our hearts and our minds. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.